Welcome, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. It's awesome to worship with you. I just love the worship coming from the stage, but then the voices coming up to the stage. Boy, what an awesome, powerful statement about our greatest love, who is God. Thank you so much for being here and worshiping with us. It's a privilege and pleasure to open up the Word and to see what God has to say in it. And we're doing a series called The Believer's Family. Um, it's in the, this series is um, anchored into one passage. Um, the passage in Ephesians is Ephesians 5, 21 through 31, and it focuses on the family, and the, the, the biggest piece of the family is the husband and wife, so we'll definitely be focused on the husband and wife as we work through this passage, and yes, we're going 12 weeks through this passage, and as we go through this passage, I mean, we're just looking at all the richness in it. Um, there's a lot of big words in there. In fact, I would even say there's a lot of controversial words uh, in there words that we can debate, words that we can talk about, words that carry a lot of power. We want to know what these words mean, and we want to know what these phrases mean. And uh, as we're looking at this, we're just going to just uh, not pick it apart, but really just rest in this passage uh, for, 12, for about 12 weeks. And uh, there's a little bit more that talks about uh, the children and then also about um, uh, the workplace. Uh, but this is kind of the root of it, and we'll spend quite a few weeks um, here. So Ephesians 5, 21 30 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church." I want to start out by um, um, asking, uh, what is the purpose um, of marriage? And this is a review from last week, and it's very important to understand the purpose of marriage because if you understand the purpose of marriage, it's going to drive your thinking. It's going to drive your behavior. It's going to drive your action. It's going to drive everything about your marriage. Once you define your purpose, that's the way that you're going, you're going to live. A little bit of review from last week. There's, you know, a traditional way that um, they defined their purpose. It was under a social aspect. In other words, what can I get out of somebody? What kind of social position can I find uh, from somebody? And they would evaluate in regards to their social status. Uh, I'd find this person because this person could give me this. I'd find this person because this person could give me this. It was a time when there wasn't a lot of money, and if that person was rich, that person would try to marry that person just to put them under that social status, or even under a power status, or under uh, a positional status, wealth status, power status, positional status, and we get married in regards, in regards to that. Um, and then things kind of change from traditional. They say, well, why would you do that? That doesn't make any sense. We are people who are starving for love, so why don't we get married out of love rather than a social status? And uh, so we moved into getting married out of love instead of a social status, and uh, the divorce rate climbed to 
When you get married out of social status, say, you know, this person is somebody that uh, is rich, somebody that has money, somebody that has something that I want from him, therefore I will move into that position, why would you divorce him? And, uh, and why would he divorce you? Because he looked at you and said, well, this is the social status I wanted to have with you. So the divorce rate was very, very low, you know, back in the traditional way. But when we put love there, the divorce rate climbed. Why would that take place? Because the ancient way is, what does love have to do with it? Now, the modern way is love has everything to do with it. So if you're in love, you get married. And if you fall out of love, well, well, then you get out. Or if you fall in love with somebody else, then there's a split, and then you gradually get out, but you find it elsewhere. Finding the purpose is going to drive your thinking inside of your relationship. It's going to drive your behavior. It's going to drive everything about you and your relationship. So just put a purpose in a fast statement. What it does is it connects you to the direction that you're supposed to be on. Let's just ask the question, what's the purpose of Jefferson Baptist Church? You know what the purpose is? It's, it's in our bylaws. Love God and love others. <laughs> the two top ten commandments. I love God with all my heart, soul, strength, and mind, and I love others as myself. So all of a sudden, if it's going to drive my behavior and drive my thinking, or drive our behavior, drive our thinking, and drive our direction, what happens if we observe and all of a sudden we start stepping away from that purpose? It's like, whoa, we have a purpose written on paper. We need to move it back and make this the center purpose of the church. Because whatever that purpose is, it's going to drive you, it's going to send you, it's going to move you, it's going to motivate you. You know, I have a, a purpose in my life that's just a really fast, you know, statement. And the reason why um, it is there is because um, I want to know when I'm off track. And if it's on paper, then I can go back, okay, I need, to, I need to make sure that I get back on track. And my fast purpose is I want to go to heaven and take everybody I can with me. <laughs> Period. So that's just the purpose. Now, do I move off track? Yes, I will move off track, and selfishness will start sticking in, but then I'll know I'm off track if the purpose is written down. I'll ask you another purpose. You know, what's, what's God's purpose? You know, because God is very, very intentional. What's his purpose? And what took place? I mean, Jesus left heaven, he came to earth, and he lived a perfect life, and then he went to the cross, and he died, went to the grave, and rose again. But for what purpose? What purpose did he do that for? It's amazing as we look in this passage, because we ask, what is the purpose that God did all that? Well, we have a passage that talks about marriage. And inside this passage that talks about marriage, Paul gives a direct statement of the purpose of God. The direct statement of the purpose of God is what is underlined. It said, this is my purpose. This is why I came. This is why I lived a perfect life. This is why I died, and this is why I rose. That he gave himself up for her, which is the church, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water of the word, and present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. That's the purpose statement that God has. That's why the salvation has been given to us, because he wants to make us clean. He wants to make us presentable. He wants to wash away our sins. He wants us to be holy, and he wants to be blameless. That's God's purpose for doing all he did. It's interesting that it's located there. It's located in the center of the passage that talks about marriage. In fact, look at the first couple words. Husbands 
love your wives. And then he moves to himself, just as Christ loved the church, and then he states his purpose, gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, or any other blemish, but holy and then blameless. Puts it right in the center underneath the husband. And what is the power that completes his purpose? The power is this love. And then he transfers it right to the husband. Say, you love in such a way as I love. And I just want to say it's universal. I believe this is a universal purpose that he's given man and women at the same time. And what is that purpose? The purpose of marriage is to serve your spouse with a vision of her future glory in mind. To serve your spouse with a vision of their future glory in mind. It's the same thing as my purpose. I mean, just in a sense that I want to go to heaven and take everybody I can with me. But there's a different dynamic to it. Because all of a sudden, something is coming really, really close really close to you. And that's what we're going to look at as we unfold this passage. Not necessarily today, but as we're unfolding this passage, the power of marriage and the power of influence that we have on each other. And then God gives us the purpose. Make sure you serve your spouse with a vision of their future glory in mind. So that was last week. And today we're going to talk about the backbone of marriage. And the backbone of marriage is if this purpose is going to happen, there has to be something that's going to drive this purpose. There has to be something that's going to make this purpose. There has to be a a verb that says, okay, this is my purpose. How do I complete my purpose? What do I need to do to make my purpose happen? There has to be um, a verb that's going to drive it. And there is. There is one verb that drives the purpose of marriage. There's one verb that's going to drive the purpose of marriage. And you know what the verb is? Submit. (laughs) Submit. And people go, oh boy, here we go. But this is the verb that drives marriage. Now when you start thinking of this verb, I just want to explain to you its power. Is it, if you have mutual submission, two people submit, there's almost a guarantee that life, you would experience life and life to the fullest of your marriage. Life and life to the fullest in your marriage. If you have one person submit and one person refuse to submit, I would say that you have a 50-50% chance to have life and life to its fullest inside of your marriage. If you have neither one submitting, then good luck. (laughs) If you look at the top of the passage, it moves into the passage of relationships. And it says this in Ephesians 5.23, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Reword it a different way. Husbands, submit to your wife out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands out of reverence for Christ. That's a radical, radical statement. And since it is such a radical statement with such few words, we want to understand what this word means. (laughs) Definitely want to understand. So we're going to spend the entire morning talking about what this word means. In fact, if you look it up, I broke it up into five different sections. What submit means, what submit is, what submit looks like, what submit does, and what submit looks like in marriage. All right, so let's look at what submit 
means. This is what submit means if you break up the word. Send yourself under. Words are broken up into two different areas, a prefix, and then this is also the root. What does a prefix sub mean? Sub means to go, to go under. It's where we get the word submerge, which is cause to go under. You get submarine, warship, underneath the water. You get subheading, which is underneath the heading. Subtitle is captions displayed at the bottom. And so sub means just to go under. And then the root mit, what does it mean? It means, means to send. And so that's where we get the word transmit, is transfer to another. You get vomit, to eject whatever you have in your stomach out of your stomach. I didn't put that all in there because of space, but to, you know what it means. I won't continue to explain it. To admit means to send the truth. To limb it means not to send. So when you look at the word and you see the breakup of the word, it means I send myself under. That's what the word means. Okay, what is submit? Submit is giving up your individual rights for the common good. Submit is giving up your individual rights for the common good. You are making the choice to put yourself under for the common good of the next person. You're putting yourself to go under for the common good, maybe of the family. You're putting yourself under for the common good of the country. You are putting yourself under for the common good, and you're choosing to do it. One word that um, kind of competes with submit is the word obey. Obey is a very authoritarian word. And what I mean by an authoritarian word is that when you say you need to obey, you are saying, you do not know the answer, I do, therefore you need to do it. Uh, when you're saying that you obey, it's like, I have the position, you do not have the position, therefore you need to listen to me as a result of this position that I have. When you use the word obey, you're saying, I have the experience, you do not have the experience, therefore obey to make sure that you do the right thing rather than the wrong thing. When you say, obey, you do not have the wisdom, but I have the wisdom, therefore you need to obey. That is an authoritarian word. The Bible's not afraid of using authoritarian words. In fact, if you look in the next couple chapters, you will see the word obey used. Where do you see it? Obey your parents in the Lord. He's not saying, go under. He's saying, your parents know more than you do, therefore on top of, you need to obey for your safety. Even if you don't think it's a good idea, you need to obey. You need to obey when it moves to slaves and masters. You need to obey your master. Why? Because he is in the position to make everything work, so you need to obey. But this word submit carries a different thing. And the reason why it carries, the way it carries a different thing is that a person obeys for what purpose? A person obeys because they're told to. Submit is different in a way that you submit, choose to go under, but you do it for what purpose? You do it for the common good of the other. Submit is I'm putting myself under for the purpose of 
raising you up. I'm putting myself under for the purpose of making you stronger. I'm putting myself under and sacrificing my needs for the purpose of making you stand before God, blemished. Stand before God as a champion. Stand before God and being a part of God's ministry to you to make you the strongest believer you can possibly ever imagine. Ephesians 5, 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Looks like this. Husbands, I'm going to live in such a way so you can be alive. In other words, I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice my desires. I'm going to sacrifice my needs. I'm going to sacrifice my comfort. I'm going to sacrifice my energy so my wife can be a great disciple of Jesus Christ, so my wife can be strong, so my wife can be an amazing mother, so my wife can be an amazing influencer, so my wife can be an amazing leader, so my wife can be, I'm just going to say it, everything I dreamed about a wife could be. Wives, I'm going to submit to my husband. I'm going to sacrifice my time. I'm going to sacrifice my desire. I'm going to sacrifice my needs. I'm going to put myself underneath my husband, and I'm going to get rid of my comfort. I'm going to get rid of my energy. Why? Because I want my husband to be the best disciple you can possibly ever have. I want my husband to be the best father that is on this planet. I want my husband to be the best husband because I need to be loved, and therefore I'm going to submit to make him the best husband so I can receive the love that I need. I want my husband to be the biggest influencer at work and the best leader on this planet. And therefore, I'm going to put myself under for him for the purpose of raising him up to be this strong person. When you look at the, the word submit, people often instantly go into the mind of passive, passive. Submit is to meet the needs of your spouse before your own to make them alive. Is submit passive? What you're doing is you're meeting the needs of your spouse to make the person alive. The word is often abused in a sense that, oh no, I'm living with an abusive husband. And it says in the Bible that I need to submit Therefore, I need to be passive, and I need to live underneath this umbrella of submission and underneath this umbrella of abuse. But does your husband need to beat you? Does your husband need to abuse you? Is it the best interest in your husband's mind to let that sin continue to come in? Is it the best interest of your entire family to continue to let it? See, submit is passive sometimes. But submit is also not passive. It can even be aggressive. And submit can even look like, honey, I have your best interest in mind. Therefore, I am going to go underneath you and speak to you in such a way for you to save the family rather than destroy the family. And the dynamics of doing that is not a dynamics that is passive, but it's really uncomfortable to do it. Often it's even difficult to do it, but you have the best interest as a whole in mind, so therefore you go under for the purpose of changing it, for the purpose of helping, for the purpose of making that person alive. So what happens with sin is sin destroys everything. Sin wipes out the husband, or sin wipes out the wife. Who does it? In the process of us submitting, we're going underneath to help that sin get washed out of our marriage, to help the sin get completely out of our home, 
but we don't go over on top and say, oh, this is what you need to do. I'm an authoritarian person. Get rid of your sin or else I will leave because I'm tired of it. No, it's to go underneath for the purpose of running it out and getting it gone. So if you look at this word submit, the submit, word submit is used in many different areas. In fact, you're supposed to submit to your spiritual leaders. Um, submit to your pastor. I'll just say you need, you need to submit to me. Well, what does that look like? Does that look like you do exactly what I tell you? Is it an authoritarian position? Or is it a position that you go under prayerfully, clear to your knees, and pray for, for, for a spiritual leader? That you lift him up in such a way, but you don't go un, over a top to lift him up, you go underneath to lift him up with your knees, praying, God, please help him. In support is another area that you bring submission. In a sense that it's like, we're going to go this direction as a church. You might go, oh, I don't want to go this direction. I, I have a different direction I want to go. But there is one leader, so what I'll do is I'll go underneath it, and I'll follow it, even if I don't you know, necessarily agree with it. But what you're doing is you're just putting yourself under to make a powerful unit because you have the whole unit that is in mind. Last week I had somebody mention in the foyer. He said that, I appreciate that you preach the word of God. And, um, and I said something right back to him. I said, the day that I do not preach the word of God, it is your responsibility that you're in my office to tell me what for to make sure that it happens. That's submission. If you see something that I would be doing that would be wrong, it would be like, okay, we gotta look at this thing as a whole. For the common good of the kingdom of God, for the common good of the church, you need to go under to lift me up, and sometimes it'd even be confronting. Sometimes it'd even, out of love, saying, you know, you're off, you're off track a little bit. That's what submission is. You get another word, submit to the governing authorities. Oh my goodness, what are we supposed to do? In fact, I just want to read the verse, Romans 13, 1. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. He who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Submit. What does the word submit mean? You go under for the process of lifting up the governing authorities. Did Paul disobey the governing authorities when he lived? He did. He preached the Bible. He preached the Word of God. He preached the gospel. And the governing authority says, you got to stop the gospel. And he believed that it was not the best common interest of the country to make sure the gospel wasn't preached. Therefore, he says, I, I love you guys, but I'm going to go under, and I'll even suffer the consequences that you'll hand me, but the gospel has to be preached. I will go under to lift the country up and even to lift you up because you don't even know what you need if you say do not have the gospel preached. Submission is going under to lift it up. Now let's ask the question, what does submit look like? Number three, Treat others as more important than yourself. I'm a visionary person, and I just, just paint me a picture of exactly what submit looks like. In other words, I just want to like, see it on a wall with words. I want to understand how to respond with um, uh, of what it looks like. And the Bible does just that. Paul does not do it in Ephesians, but he does it in the book of Philippians and says, I'll just give you a, a picture of exactly what submit looks like. And he does it in Ephesians 2, 3 through 11. He says this, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. 
Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being a very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and every, on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of our Father. We can ask the question, who killed Jesus? Well, in John, he says, this is the reason why the Father loves me, is that I lay down my life and I take it up again. Nobody took my life from me. I laid down my life for what purpose? So people can live. I went under for the purpose of raising people up. I did not consider anything in myself, but took my position of what I had, went underneath for the process of making people alive, making people what people could be, making people strong, making people powerful, making people secure, even in a pandemic, making people emotionally powerful, even when the world starts falling away. I went under to make people believers. I went under to save people. So that's what submit looks like. What does submit do? Number four, submit makes the other person confident, valuable, and strong. There's two kind of leaders in this world. And one leader um, is, I'll just kind of give you a picture of, of this leader, is um, an authoritarian leader. And, and uh, one of his subordinates would walk into the room, and, and this is the reaction that a subordinate would have. A reaction would be like, I cannot believe I'm in the presence of this man. I cannot believe that I'm in the presence of even this, this uniform. This guy has done so much. He has accomplished so much. He has completed so much that you can almost feel it in the air of how powerful this person is and how efficient this person is, how strong this person is, and what kind of influence this person has on the world. That's a picture of one leader. But there's another picture of a different leader. When you walk inside the room, and you see this strong person. And as you have a conversation with this very strong person that has the status, has the history, you walk out of that room thinking, I cannot believe how powerful I am. I cannot believe how powerful he makes me feel. I can't believe what that guy thinks that I can do. And all of a sudden you broaden up your shoulders and you walk out of the room of a subordinate that he has transferred his power to you as an individual and you walk out with your chin up ready to conquer the world just like he conquered the world. Every single general that wins wars is not somebody that is over, but is somebody that literally empowers and when that person empowers, what happens? People start taking off and running hard. People start taking off and being strong. People start taking off and being the best person they can possibly 
be. Let's look at it in the context of this marriage. Husbands, listen when you don't feel like it. What is that going to do? It, I mean, when we don't feel like it, I'm going to, but I'm going to do it anyway, I'm going to put myself under for the purpose of that person. What's it going to do to your wife if that takes place? It's going to make her feel valuable. It's going to make her feel valuable. Wives, appreciate when it is not natural. What's it going to do? It's going to make your husband feel strong. You're going to be making your husband in the process. Husbands, express to your wife that her needs are valued, that you value her. What is that going to do? It's going to make her feel confident. You're going to lift that person up because you're living for that person's needs rather than your own needs. Wives, tell your husband that you need him. Just, just simple statements. I'm going to put myself under. Maybe I don't even need some of the areas, but I'm going to put myself under for the purpose of making him what? Feel valuable as well. And I just put this one in. It's more of a joke. Husbands, go shopping with your spouse. It, it, makes, your husband, it makes your wife do what? makes her feel, feel strong, like, I did it. <laughs> and, and, and then when the guy is, is shopping, he's like, this is, how long is it going to take? And how long? She's thinking, I am continuing to do it. But it, it makes her, you know, I don't know. I just put that one in there. <laughs> Wives, appreciate your husband's work. What's it going to do? I'm going to go under. I don't want to do it, but I'm going to go under. I'm going to go under just for the process of lifting them up. We have to go under consistently. Why? Because we're all about ourselves. And we're all about ourselves. We speak all about ourselves. And we don't speak about anybody else. And that's exactly what we do in marriage. We speak about ourselves because we're all about ourselves. We don't go, okay, you know what I need to do? I think of not think of myself as highly than I ought, but I actually should push myself under and open my eyes to the needs of my spouse. And then all of a sudden respond likewise. Why? Because she needs to be alive. Why? Because he needs to be alive. He needs to be holy. He needs to be a disciple. She needs to be holy. She needs to be a disciple. Therefore, going under for the process of lifting them up is what God has commanded us to do. So what else does submit do? Number five, submit and powers change. just want to look at the... Um, context of when Paul wrote this passage. In the context of Paul writing this passage, um, the Roman Empire was in rule. And the Roman Empire was one of the strongest empires um, that the world, is, the world has ever known. And uh, the Roman Empire kind of had a motto. And uh, the motto was, keep your money for yourself and share your bed with everybody. And uh, that was just the motto that they, that they ran by. And as they're running this motto, what takes place. Um, the emperors have it so far in their system that they're obsessed because they have power, so far in their system that they're just going to feed themselves anything and everything they want. Yes, it went out into their country, but the emperor would just fed himself anything and everything that he wanted. Now, when you're in a powerful position, your mind starts going crazy and you start thinking, you know what, everybody's going to read about me when I die. I mean, I'm the most powerful person um, with this huge empire, everybody's going to look back and read and aspire to be me. Because how else did they get into this powerful position rather than that? But I'll tell you, with that motto, it poisoned them. It poisoned them. What I mean by poison them? There are 77 emperors that were underneath the Roman Empire. And with 77 emperors, you know how many were killed 
by their own Roman soldiers? 26. Their armies hated them. Their country despised them. Why did they hate them? Because they had all the power in the world to transfer their power to the nation, but they didn't. They took all the power and they just fed themselves, fed themselves, fed themselves. 26 were killed by the Roman soldiers, but the the other thing that's interesting is 13 were killed by the Praetorian guards. Now what's a Praetorian guard? A Praetorian guard job is to make sure that the emperor does not die. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I'm hired full time to make sure that the emperor doesn't die. But the, uh, the, the Praetorian Guard hated them so much that what did they do? <laughs> they ended up being paid off or they ended up saying, I want the throne. They ended up killing the emperor. Why? Because they're the only ones that had access to him. So think about this person that's just obsessed with all that he can feed. He was hated, he was despised, and now what we're doing is we're reading about the Roman empires, the Roman emperors, and we're saying, do not aspire to be like them. The Roman empire collapsed. And when the Roman empire collapsed, they asked the question, why did, why did it collapse? You know why it collapsed? It collapsed under Christianity. And what do you mean by collapsed under Christianity? is that um, there was a letter that was written to a church that was hopefully going to get there. I mean, it might not have gotten there, but it, it, it actually did get there. And, and then the church read this letter, and as they le- read this letter, they said, this is really good information about something. So they copied the letter. And after they copied the letter, they started sending the letter out, and they started sending the letter to the other people. And this letter started circulating, not only to one church that it was written to, but to all these churches that were out there, and it changed the world. It was a letter of Ephesians written to the church. And the reason why it changed the world, because it had the most wild comments you could ever possibly imagine. One was, submit to others out of reverence for Christ. The Roman Empire didn't even have a word for humility. They didn't even understand what humility was. I mean, it was, had, it was not even in their vocabulary. But all of a sudden, this letter that was sent, submit to one another. In other words, make the next person more powerful than you. And if you are so powerful, then continue to make that person powerful by getting underneath them and raising them up. And all of a sudden, inside this letter, they say, there is a king that has done it. And his name is Jesus Christ, and his movement will never stop as a result of simple statements like this. Go under just exactly like he did for the purpose of raising somebody else up. The movement will never stop, but the movement will also conquer nations. And it will also make an extreme impact on families extreme impact on individuals for complete and entire change. I just want to read a statement from Jerome. Eusebius Horonius is, is what he's called in Latin. But he says this. He's one that translated, um, he's a scholar that translated um, the Greek. And as he translated the Greek, he, he worked and said, exactly what does this Bible say? So he translated the Bible. And when he handed out the Bible, I tell you, it was a lot of new information to people. Jerome says this, let bishops hear this, let priests hear, let every rank of learning get this clear in the church. Leaders are servants. Let them imitate the apostle, the difference between a secular ruler 
in Christian leaders is that the former love to boss or subordinates, whereas the latter served them. We are that much greater if we are considered less of all. And if you study any secular book in regards to leadership, any secular book, you're going to get the words of, this is what you need to, to be a leader. You're going to get to the words empathy, integrity, humility, empowerment, courage, loyalty, an active listener. Every single one of those words are driven by something. They're driven by, you're going under to make your people powerful. You're going under to make your country powerful. You're not taking what you have in your position and feeding yourself for the purpose of me. You're actually going under for the purpose of them. And those are the people that carry the most powerful nation there in the world. And it's also the reason, the reason why Christianity is alive and so powerful today is because we have a king that modeled it. And as a result, we are saved. Just in closing, what submit looks like in marriage, and let's get a little bit more specific. Number six, wives, live so your husbands can be alive. That is submit. Wives, live in such a way for your husbands to be alive. Ephesians 5.21 says this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, and then he moves specifically to wives, and he says these words, wives, uses the same word, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then he gives a statement. For the husband is the head of the wife. For the husband is the head of the wife. I want you to submit for what reason? Because the husband is the head. Now next week, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the head all next week. <laughs> so I'm not going to talk about it right now because I'm focused on this one word, submit. What does it mean, wives? This is what it means. I will put myself under my husband to empower him to love Christ more every single day. I will put myself underneath my husband to make him alive. I will put myself underneath my husband to empower him to be the greatest leader on the planet. I will put myself underneath my husband for the, powerful, for the purpose of empowering him to make him strong, for the purpose of empowering him to make him a great husband, for the purpose of empowering him to be a great father, for the purpose of empowering him to get sin out of his life, I'm going to put myself underneath my husband for the purpose of him being alive, being on fire. Then he moves to the second piece inside the marriage. Number seven, husbands, die so your wives can live. It's interesting that there is a different verb that is talked about here. It's not the same. And again, we're going to talk about this at length next week. Because wives is submit, after you go husband submit, wives submit, then wives submit is where the, 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 where the line goes. But then he uses this other word, husbands die, which is submit as the lead. Let's look at the passage. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now you say, well, where does die have? If you look at it, husbands love your wives, and then he starts talking about Jesus. The same way, just as Christ loved is past tense. This is how much I loved you, past tense, 2,000 years ago, was crucified, died. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. 
Well, what does die mean? What does die mean? It means submit on steroids. <laughs> it means submit on steroids. I mean, this is what a Christian marriage looks like. A Christian marriage looks like the woman say, do you know what I'm going to do? As I'm going to get underneath you for the purpose of raising you up. And then all of a sudden the, hook, the, the husband looks at the wife and says, oh, no, you don't. I'm going to go six feet underneath you for the purpose of rising you up because I'm the head and I need to be one up on you, which we'll talk about next week. But do you see how on purpose you are powering each other to be amazing disciples for Christ? What is the purpose of marriage? Go back to the purpose of marriage. What is the purpose of marriage? I live and serve in such a way for my wife's future glory and mind. I live, husbands, I live in such a way for my wife's future glory and mind. I don't know if I got that right or not, but that's what the purpose is. We live for our future glory in mind. Because one day we're going to be before God and we're going to be presented before him. And who you marry carries so much power in the process, and it was God's design to make it work that way. And as we continue to unfold the passage, we will continue to understand the responsibility that we have and what we are doing with the responsibility we have in regards to our husbands, in regards to our wives, because their responsibility is extreme. God, thank you so much for your word Inside of it, God, you give us an example, an example of dying to yourself so that we can all live, an example of sacrifice, God, so we can be alive. And God, the scripture has written all about it. And I just pray, God, that your spirit would be alive in us because there's no way we can deny ourselves without your spirit being alive in us. Therefore, strengthen us, God, with your spirit to lay down our lives and go underneath people so that they can live just like you did for us. We love you. In Christ's name, amen.